So, hi there, and welcome everyone to Happy Life Habits Inspiration Point Podcast Series Two and uh, Episode Six with Nina uh, Ramsey. Sorry, Nina Joshi Ramsey, and entitled Life While I Extended. Today's edition is an extended version, so we will be going um, a bit longer than um, what we normally do, um, and we will. Because um, we've got so much uh, to talk about, and we'll also be um, doing an emotional freedom technique, EFT um, uh, uh, practice as well, um, an experiential experience of that. So uh, we will be uh, going on uh, longer than um, the usual time. And it's the last in our current um, series. So uh, that's what we'll be doing. Hi there, Mel. Great to see you. Welcome. Good. So... As usual, each week, um, for those of you who are uh, regulars, you'll know um, there's a question that we ask. And for those of you who are joining us for the first time, real, you know, warm welcome. And the question that um, we like to ask is, just right now, take a checkpoint using your scale of zero to 10, but not using the number seven, number seven, but allowing to use fractions as well as decimals, where are you? on that happiness scale for yourself. So zero to 10, but not using the number seven, where are you? And feel free to drop it in the chat if you'd like to. And the purpose of this is, it's really just there as a checkpoint for us to see where we are at this point in time. It's not to compare our number with anyone else's because our scale is different from everyone else's. And it's just there to raise our awareness to see where we are at this point in time. And then if we choose to, then we can use some of the things that Happy Life Habit shares to increase our happiness and well-being levels. So that's the purpose of um, this. And at the end of the session, I will ask again, um, everyone, what um, your um, uh, numbers are. So please you know, keep in mind what you currently put. We'll ask at the end and we'll do a little poll as well just to see um, uh, how those um, compare. So that is uh, the plan. So the grand rules are, the session is being recorded. We ask you to keep your mobiles on silent for the duration. If you can stay on mute, um, uh, that'd be um, uh, 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 wonderful. Um, when the interview um, process is um, happening, if you could keep your videos off, but at the Q&A, um, we welcome you to have your videos on, ask questions, and, um, uh, 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 and you can ask those via chat or just pressing the space bar coming off mute and asking um, the questions. And also during, um, when we do the emotional freedom technique um, experience, you can have your videos on uh, during then as well. So a quick introduction, I'm um, Shailen Shah. I'm a happiness coach, speaker and trainer, trained in the science of happiness and uh, through happy life habits, possibly impacting happiness and well-being levels. And in regards to that, I had some really good news um, recently where um, someone from our um, Happy Life Habits community and who's been on uh, the training courses um, that we've offered and, uh, uh, and will be a um, guest in series three, uh, Mary, she shared um, this little uh, bit of information about me and put me forward um, for the World Happiness Awards. So that took me by surprise and really warmed my heart and really pleased that you know, uh, 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 people feel I'm making a difference and, uh, uh, and uh, that, yeah, she's put me forward for this nomination and 
Uh, thank you all, uh, those who've you know, voted and information's on the website. You can vote and you can actually vote multiple times over different days. So it's not a one-time vote, but uh, just being nominated has really made my um, year and um, really pleased with that. So thank you so much um, for that. So Inspiration Point podcast is a project of Happy Life Habits and it's about inspiring positive, extraordinary people sharing their journey, their challenges, and turning points, the daily habits and learning through personal development, happiness, and spirituality. And as we go through you know, each series, each episode, we hear different people sharing their answers to the same 10 questions, and we see um, resonance to that, we relate to some of those answers, but we also see some differences between um, what people are shared. And that gives us inspiration and hope and optimism to face um, the challenges we face um, on a regular basis and keep um, moving on. And the questions we tend to ask are, um, what makes you happy? What are you currently doing that inspires you? What's been your journey, turning points, challenges? What are some of your habits and routines, favorite quotes, favorite book, and so forth? Really grateful um, for Balance Consultancy um, sponsoring this whole series, all six episodes they've um, sponsored, so really grateful um, for their um, support in this. And that series of six has started with uh, Mel Bryan. Um, she's with us um, this evening, and um, there was a connection between her and Nina, which um, uh, we weren't aware of when we put the series together. But um, when Hi, Nina Mel. had done some uh, stand up comedy, and Mel had been the one who had been emceeing. So we start with a comedian, we end uh, with a, a comedian connection there. Then we had Lisa Moore um, um, sharing about marathon mindset, Neeraj sharing about his experience of stroke and uh, technology um, and how um, ancient minds are using the wisdom um, and the wisdom of today uh, with technology. Um, we had Selena, exalted uh, mediator. And then last week um, we had um, Dr. Ajay, uh, Neeraj's brother, my cousin as well, um, superhero doctor. And as I mentioned previously, um, we have um, Anju Shah on the call, and she will be the first of our Series 3. She is the mother of Ajay and Neeraj. She will share her story of um, growing up in Kenya, um, meeting her um, husband-to-be, uh, and after a week, uh, choosing to get married, and, uh, and uh, at the age of 45, when her husband passed away, um, the journey that's uh, occurred there, and lots of the amazing things she's done and created um, uh, to support herself and um, the children and the community. And it's really appropriate for International Women's Day. And um, so we will hear about that there. Yeah, uh, and these are the uh, other uh, people who will be part of this episode. And as I mentioned, it's dedicated to International Women's Day, um, Mother's Day and to women in general. And each of these women has got a fantastic story to share, like the ones we've already had, it just, you know, the journey continues and uh, uh, we will partake um, in that um, from next week onwards. If you would like to um, have a VIP pass for all six episodes, please drop me an email at shailene at happylifehabits.co.uk. I'll give you um, the details. It's £20 and we'll get you sorted for all six um, episodes. Otherwise, you feel free to just attend the ones you want to and join in on those. So that brings us very nicely to today's episode. And 
with uh, Nina Joshi Ramsey, LifeWala Extended. And you might be wondering, what is LifeWala? And Nina will share with us uh, what LifeWala is. It's also the title of one of her books. Um, and that book uh, is uh, being put forward to um, various awards. It's about the um, Bhopal disaster that happened in India. She's written about the true experiences of, um, of that situation. And this book has also just recently been made a finalist in the LA-based Screen Cross Cinematic Books competition. So some real exciting stuff happening in terms of uh, that book. So that's one aspect of Nina. She's an author. She's, um, she's a writer. She's an author. She is, um, had a corporate career with uh, Reuters, now Thomson Reuters, and rose to be um, a global projects manager and was mentored you know, at, uh, uh, by the board uh, there, at the board level. So something which is uh, quite rare and becoming more so um, common now of you know, uh, breaking those ceilings and breaking those barriers and you know, uh, moving up in those careers, which you know, it can be quite tough for whatever gender you are, but uh, very you know, restricted environments in some places, but that's uh, uh, one of the achievements there. Um, she has invested herself in lots of different learning, um, both um, writing courses, um, courses on uh, healing techniques and um, psychology, as well as um, com uh, computing. So bachelor's and master's in uh, various courses there. So that shows her having a growth mindset and keen on learning. Um, she is... A, a, a stress management expert um, and shares about stress management and uh, resilience and techniques and helps people with that and includes other healing techniques with that, including uh, learnings of NLP, Reiki, and so forth. When I met Nina, it was about three, four years ago. It was soon after I um, trained in the science of happiness and uh, an organization that's close to Nina's heart called um, Shishakunj um, were running um, uh, talks um, uh, once a month and the, I came across this, this, this information saying Nina Joshi Ramsey is coming and giving a talk on stress and just at that time you know with the learning I was doing it, it was something that excited me to um, see uh, what I understood and also learn some more and she you know shared a fantastic evening that day and uh, 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 different uh, she shared about what stress was she shared about uh, techniques we can use to alleviate stress. And at the back of that um, evening, I, um, I I can't remember actually fully if I uh, had a card and I gave that to Nina or if it was just a case of I took her card, but we exchanged numbers or exchanged emails. And uh, soon after, um, I uh, made contact uh, with Nina either via email or LinkedIn, I can't remember um, properly at the moment. She replied back, we had a conversation and a really great um, conversation. Um, and that's when our connection started. And then um, a few, uh, well, last year, um, uh, uh, well, sorry, wind back a, a, a moment. So the, one of the questions I asked Nina was, you know, in terms of, you know, the talk she gave at Shishikunch, you know, how she went about it, what she did and that. And she shared with them what she, um, who the contact person is and what to do. And in doing so, I reached forward and contacted um, Lakshmi Ben, who runs these methods at Shishkunj. 
And a few months later, I um, had the opportunity to share my first um, gratitude workshop talk um, uh, uh, in April and in um, May at Shisha Cringe. So through Nira's inspiration and um, a, a conversation, uh, uh, that led to that opportunity. And thereafter being um, able to share there over the last couple of years. And last year um, in September, uh, myself and Brittany did a session on uh, managing your mindset and money. And the next day I had a message on LinkedIn from Nina. And she said, you know, she'd attended the, uh, the session the day before. She told a few friends to come and, you know, and join it as well. And, and they'd enjoyed it. And we, you know, arranged a catch up. And so this is after, you know, a few years, which caught up, we spoke, maybe had scheduled an hour, hour and a half or there later, we were still nattering away. And it was one of those kind of connections and conversations. And similarly, when we were prepping for this, after a gap, where it's like someone you haven't met for a long time, you know, a cold old college friend or uni friend, you get together in this instant connection and a rapport and, you know, a wonderful conversation happening um, together. And that's, you know, what I found, um, you know, which is why we've also said, uh, we should do an extended version today because there's so much to discuss and share about. So without um, further ado, um, I will stop my screen share and ask you all in your Zoom, if you choose view and you change it to speak of you, what you'll be able to see is uh, bigger on the screen, you'll be able to see myself and Nina. Um, and what I would like to say is, Nina, a really, really warm welcome and a thank you for joining us um, this evening. So, you know, um, please, um, that uh, you are able to join us and really been looking forward to this episode like all the others. And um, uh, great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Shailene, and well, for um, having me on and, you know, the chats that we've had so far and that. Um, you know, intro as well. And obviously, thank you to everybody here that I know and don't know. Um, thank you for joining us today, too. Fantastic. So we'll start with our first question, as usual. And as we ask these questions, um, and Nina answers, also think for yourself what your answer is to those questions um, uh, 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 and uh, what you relate to and uh, um, what you connect with in that way. So Nina, what makes you happy? Gosh, it might be different to what we'd talked about before, but um, that's perfectly okay. Um, actually, probably the consistency in there, um, which is um, when I'm with my nephews and doing things with them, whether it's uh, little, you know, craft projects or film projects, because as they develop in their interests, um, you know, we do different things. And in lockdown, of course, we've ended up doing different things as well. Um, that, that's given me probably the most happiness, I would say, um, as an aunt to them. Mm. And more latterly, they've got a little puppy. So, so he's been adding to that sort of joy. So we, I went for a, um, a a, day, a a dog day, doggy date with them recently uh, with, with, with my sister. Um, and, you know, I haven't, I think the puppy must be about 
nine weeks now but in any case uh, I don't know exactly how old he is but he's got the joy of you know a youngster where everything is new every little thing is to be explored and you know there's bounding energy no matter where he's going to so you know that's the, it's and it reminds me of the energy that um, you know I used to connect to so well when the um, my nephews were young and since then how that's developed so that's what I would say is generally the answer for that. Um, and I love, you know, the normal things that we've talked about, walking. Um, I love doing the EFT sessions at the moment. I'm doing some open group sessions at the moment um, and just see how people are. Um, yeah, that I would say make me most happy. Fantastic. The other one that you had shared with us was uh, laughing with friends and fellow comedians and making fools of yourselves and to make people laugh. So. Oh yeah, and Mel will know that's like a constant. But yes. <laughs> yes, yeah. And well, I'm also doing something, I'm, uh, I'm writing something with the uh, comedian that I met on one of the workshops. So, um, and we do, you know, writing involves a lot of hard work as well, but also we do have a, a laugh together and who doesn't need a laugh around this time, right? So yes. yes, yeah, no, that's definitely one of the um, one of those up there. I probably take it too much for granted as well, though, because we yeah. laugh a, a lot, and um, you know, at home as well, taking the mickey out of each other, um, and sometimes actively having to do so because well, only there's only me and Graham at home to, yes. <laughs> to take the mickey out of. So yeah, there's a bit of that as well um, that I think during lockdown we all need taking life a little bit lightly if you can. Well, not just doing lockdown, I think just in general, um, be able to well, laugh at ourselves and laugh out loud and see something, whether it's a, a, a Paladin Hobes comic strip or watching something on TV, that uh, laughter is uh, important and uh, helps them get the happy chemicals uh, released. I think, oh, yep, the back. Yeah, a couple of connection problems, I think. Ah, okay, you're back. Brilliant. So that term. Um, Sorry yeah. about that. I've got no idea what happened. Not to worry. Not to worry. Um, what are you currently doing that um, inspires you? Um, so the EFT sessions, I think, um, have been really uh, inspirational because I generally take a, because it's a group session that I'm doing, and I started during the pandemic. Um, I don't for the Ryan Niggle, if they may have one, with that naming, what it, for me, with that naming what it is, and how the subconscious mind that's engaged in that from their side shifts things anyway so by the end of the session we'll and they're normally about hour, hour and a quarter um we'll have a chat a little bit of feedback about it and sometimes people will send me you know um notes afterwards or, or or we'll have a chat afterwards and to see how much and how many different things can shift with just one generic umbrella theme i'm also doing you know some writing which i in the sense of um Writing includes working with 
characters and characters reflect people and so you are thinking a lot and reflecting a lot on life and a lot on what's happening around the world and around your world so I would say probably my writing and my EFT at the moment is um and I, I've literally just been doing that all day so that's also top of my mind both yes. of those things um I'm, sh I'm sure I've given you other answers as well at, at uh, the times that we've spoken um, but that's what this jumps to mind at the moment. Yeah, no, it, 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 it was those things, and you had also mentioned um, uh, turning some of your uh, meditations into um, videos and, and a collection to, um, to then be able to be shared, uh, and that um, with the help of your nephew. Yes, actually, yes. Of the f uh, two of them are already on my website, and he had actually heard. Nina, we're having a couple of um, connection issues. Which I realize is it, what he's done is, yeah, done a picture. It's a really nice, serene picture with the underlying audio that I'd already had. Um, and of course, I then realized it. So that was his little nudge. This is what I mean about them. They sort of got these, their own ways of doing things now as they grow up. But that was his little nudge to make sure that I started putting these onto YouTube as well. Yes. Um, just so you're aware, Nina, um, connection is playing up a little bit. Um, it, uh, it, it, yeah, breaking off a little bit as you're sharing. Um, so just, yeah. Okay. Uh, it, yeah. yeah. At the moment, it's showing me three bars, but it, it, it does keep up and down. So if yeah. that shifts anymore, I'll go on another network here. Sure. So, okay. So what we've got, the things that are inspiring you is um, the emotional freedom technique, and we'll explain what that is a little bit later and the benefits of it. Um, the writing, and you're writing a sitcom, if I remember you mentioning, and um, the project uh, with your, uh, yes, that your nephew's doing of putting, one. yeah, and the project your nephew's doing of putting um, some of your uh, audios onto the website. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you want to say something about the sitcom? I was going to say, sorry, so we're pitching one. So this... Um, so I'm, I'm doing two different things. One with the comedian that I talked about that I'd met at the workshop. So we're pitching one at the well, I say we're pitching one. Generally, the way it works is a, a pitch treatment and a pilot. And um, then see either through competitions or chatting to, you know, net people in the network if, if they'd have a read. Um, so I've got one with him and I've got one that I um, obviously had various experiences is moving from Kenya to here and I had written a short story around that account of migration and it got in the Penguin Decibel Prize anthology so I am adapt on the back of that I'm adapting that to a series a short series as well so I'm just writing the pilot for that at the moment too. Okay no great thank you I think it might be worth, if you are able to switch to um, your other network, I think it might be worth um, doing that um, as we go on to um, the next few questions. Apologies everyone for um, the connection issues that uh, we will just yeah switch um, uh, 
see if we can switch to a better uh, connection and continue. Okay. Do you want to say a couple of things and we'll just check that uh, at uh, coming through okay? Sorry, I can missed you... that if you don't okay. ask any questions. Yeah, no, I was just saying, do you want to say Sound a, 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 dropped. You want to I say can hear you now, I can hear you now. Okay, good. So I was just going to say, if you want to say a couple of um, things again, um, we'll just check that it's coming through okay. So, yeah, if you just share a little bit about... Oh, yeah. Uh, about the sitcom. The sitcoms or just something writing to at the two pilots at the pigments and the way it works is you 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 write those two and um, see if shop them around or send them to competition and see picking it up. Um, so I'm doing one with a comedian um, co-writer and I'm doing one myself and the one that I'm doing myself is based on adapted from a migration account that I'd written for my story from migrating from Kenya to here. Yeah. Um, and that had one place in the Penguin Decibel, Penguin Decibel um, Anthology Prize. Okay, brilliant, thank you. So that brings us nicely to- I don't know if that's come through at all okay or not. I've got... it, it came through better than the one before. It was still a couple of points where it was a bit patchy, but um, I, overall it, 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 it was better, yeah. So. And that, that brings us nicely to um, really, yeah, what's been your journey, some of your challenges and major turning points. So you just mentioned, you know, migrated from Kenya to here, but if you yeah, want to share um, uh, uh, what your journey's been and some of the major turning points and how um, did you face some of those challenges? Yeah, sure. So, um, like I said, we came from Kenya. And of course, there, as uh, uh, we've already spoken about people like Prasid, um, who were there in Shishkund with us, you know, that was something that was uh, not anticipated for us to move from there to here. But the 82 coup happened and um, we, our family was caught in the middle uh, during the shooting because we were in town where my dad's college was. And the shooting was between the fire station and the police station. So there was that, and you know, one of our windows got a bullet through it. And um, in the, in the um, oh, there was a, an attempted, so they failed at the coup. There was a, a lot of violence afterwards. So there was quite a, quite a bloody aftermath afterwards. That night as well, and the day after, you know, there's lots of looting and uh, bloodshed um, because the military had been call, called out, the police had been called out. So, I mean, obviously all of that is, quite concerning for anybody who's going to be living there, but also anybody who sees that. So my parents had decided that we would move here and they were both British overseas citizens, having lived here for a while as well. My mum's family was already here, like my grandfather and, and my aunts and uncles were already here. Um, and my dad had taught here actually when I was born, because I was actually born here and then went there after a few months. 
um, my parents used to be, um, well, they moved around a lot, actually, um, itinerant sort of career life. So my brother was born in Germany. My older sister was born in Libya. I was born in London and my younger sister in Kenya. So they built, you know, that sort of life over there. But coming from there to here, one, I think that there was a little bit of, um, for me, pers- I can speak for myself personally, a bit of trauma around seeing what had happened around the coup time, but also getting over that because I was still quite young, getting over the idea of, okay, it's it's not safe in the way that it used to be for us, um, in town at least. Um, but I do think it was spread out as well, that kind of concern for safety. Um, but then leaving all my friends, because by the time we came here, I was 13. So leaving all my friends and having to build a whole new friend circle. And um, in fact, the episode that I was writing today was around the idea of coming in and trying to infiltrate a friend circle. We all know what that's like when you start a school if you haven't started with the circle. Um, so there's that kind of you know, general um, fitting into uh, a new life, a new country, um, the normal bullying that uh, I say normal, but you know the expected, because a lot of people get types of bullying across in different times of their life. Um, there, there was the racism of the 80s. Mm. Um, so all of that, uh, had also this sort of um, suppression of our identity to some extent. I wanted to be like somebody else. I wanted not to be brown and not, you know, wearing our clothes was, did, certainly didn't have the pride that we have now. In fact, I think Madonna, if anything, has done a lot of good for us with her henna. I can't remember which ad, which video it was in, but it suddenly became very cool to have all these, um, you know, Indian um, accessories and artifacts um, and clothes. Um, but I grew up and then um, did my bachelor's in computing and uh, business at Brunel. And as a result of that, I had wanted to go to law, but um, shifted into technology for the interest. And actually just my father's college was electronics based. And uh, I, at some point, I think at the back of my mind, thought if I had the nows in that area, I might have been able to go back and take it. I hadn't realized actually that he would be selling up and coming here. So he had to stay out there, actually, to look after the business because it was not going to be easy to sell that, um, you know, during those sort of turbulent times. Um, So us as children, all of us did jobs. All of us worked from a very young age. Um, We were helping with the bills, helping with shopping. My mum was doing night shifts. Um, In fact, she had probably a a much harder time than we realised, even in during the night of the uh, there was an attack on our house in Kenya. Um, and she was alone there because my dad was here looking for a place for us because it was after the coup, but you know, still in the aftermath. So she, I think, must have had a very hard time adjusting as well, having to manage everything there, then come here with whatever fears that were there. You get away from that, come here. Um, but she used to run a college there. And here, um, like we hear about many stories, migrants who come here, you've got to take whatever jobs are available. So um, she did three, two or three different jobs, sometimes um, together, uh, you know, night, night shift, morning shift. All of us did um, jobs of some sorts till, I guess, yeah, university. And then I um, did a thick sandwich course. So, uh, sorry, yeah, that's a thin sandwich, sorry. So that's um, three placements. So I did my placements um, at various technology uh, companies and a um, consultancy as well. A financial consultancy, which is the first time I actually heard about Reuters. Um, and after that, I did a little bit of traveling after university and then joined a um, Reuters TV, actually, just temporarily to help out in the ops environment. 
and I heard somebody there say that they were going to apply for the Reuters um, graduate program. And I'd heard about the program and I remember at the financial consultancy where I first heard about Reuters, one of the best things I'd heard about it was they gave six weeks holiday and I thought, oh, that's the company for me. <laughs> They sound great, but all, and news, you know, news will have like a really big interest for me, but also, you know, the fact that um, this unbiased news, uh, you know, fantastic company out there also gives six weeks holiday. Mm. Actually, prior to my joining, they used to give nine day, they, they used to have nine day fortnights because it was run and set up by journalists. They had, you know, I guess the level of maybe work-life balance. Um, but in any case, I remember at the time talking to my manager about applying. So this was at the financial consultancy. And he said he had a first from somewhere. And he said, if, if he has a, he had a first and he couldn't get onto the scheme, there was little chance that I would. And uh, so the first time around, I just left it. I thought, okay, maybe that's true. Maybe they do go on uh, the you know class of the degree. Second time around when I saw it at this um, Reuters TV where I was working, this um, guy who was working with me. Um, and it, again, he was doing a filler job as well. Um, I thought, you know, why not? He, he had he had the kind of, not courage, it was almost like, it was the kind of um, unquestioning, but not in an arrogant way at all, unquestioning trial, why not give it a go? Yeah. So I did give it a go and I was, I then went on to a bank, um, you know, really tough job in a bank for a little while. And during that time, and hardly any sleep or even rest days um, in the bank, but during that time, the graduate thing came through, the, the, the offer came through. Um, so in between, I'd gone for there. I can't remember, it was two, two days, two sets of two days worth of interview and presentations and you know whatever games that they have in, in those sorts of interviews, um, which was actually really good fun as well. So it was good to have met people there. It was good to have met some of the other applicants there as well, or, or a lot of who I then saw afterwards. Um, but in any case, I'm not, and I'm going a little bit back and forth in time because I, this is how they're connected in my mind. Um, when I got the offer from, um, from Reuters and I was working at the bank, I'd already also got another offer from the bank, partly because I was generally a hard worker and mm. um, a logical thinker. So everything that I'd recommended, everything that I'd done, um, you know, obviously they were happy enough with. So they'd upped their offer and they'd upped their, um, I think banks give you mortgage etc as well so all the benefits as well but the one thing they couldn't do was match you know the time out <laughs> they, couldn't, they couldn't match the six weeks it was an american bank as well um but equally with Reuters, there was a guarantee in the first two years of that graduate scheme they would have one of the placements abroad so for me it was just you know travel was one of the main things but also being exposed to other people and working in other countries it was like huge um bonus for me um, so I took the drop-in salary and, and went there instead to start off, you know, a, a career that I thought eventually, using all the skills from all the placements that would eventually do me good. So I think, you know, I th it, it could easily have been a decision based on just monetary um, value. And I think at the time, normally I say don't make a de decision if you're under stress because hmm. you're in an altered state of mind, you've got all these chemicals running around in your brain and uh, body. So give it some time. That particular one, I think I, I was running from something, but it, it was the exhaustion from the bank that I was running for. Um, and yeah, there I uh, finished the um, 
finished the program and went on to become a, a global project manager. At Follow it happened to be around the time when there was a huge restructure and there's restructuring in those companies happen every few years. But during the huge restructure, two levels of my management um, were moved elsewhere, which meant that, that that gap needed to be filled. And it just so happened that the project that I was on and, and almost an underling on had been left without the two levels. And in fact, it had quite a critical um, deadline and for 50 of our biggest clients. So I think they were waiting to find somebody who would be appropriate, who had you know, the knowledge, who had the nails and the whatever they needed, um, the gravitas, I guess, to take that forward because it was both client side and uh, uh, operational internal yeah. side. Um, and because it took them some time, I was growing into the job. I needed to go to all of the meetings. So you, I used to be just taking meeting minutes. Mm. And it then became, I'll go back and take some, get some answers from development teams or from customer services from ops. And it slowly grew into the jobs. And it just happened that I then took over those roles. And so then I became the project manager for that, which eventually, because it went really well, actually. Um, I, had sent, uh, I was working with centers in um, Chicago, here, New York. Geneva and Hong Kong mostly, um, mm. and Singapore. Um, but it meant that one, my, my um, you know, uh, way of working was across time zones and cultures. I started yeah. to know how to liaise with people as well and to get things done because everything was learning on the job. Mm. Um, and, and then so as it went well, I applied for a, a subsidiary role, as a, a role in a subsidiary, which was for a, a trading systems company within Reuters, or that, that company, Reuters had just bought. Um, and I eventually um, grew there into the head of global projects, which again, exposed me to the client side, to the upside as well. And is a, as a subsidiary, it was um, smaller than the big company that I'd come from, from the massive parent company that I'd come from. So you did a lot of different roles as well. And I was exposed to a lot more as well. Um, so you have a much better grasp of detail, but as yeah. well as the, you know, the bigger, more strategic view, more business view as well. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of what the work life was like. But there came a point where actually the, 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 a very small amount of time around around office politics, which I did not like at all. Hmm. But it over also overlapped with quite a toxic personal situation I was in um, for some time. And the two at one point together just got to a head and I wanted some time out. And a chance came up for volunteering for redundancies. So I volunteered and it must have been three times that I volunteered and the third time <laughs> I didn't get lucky, but I did try you know, try, try, try your best. <laughs> but I think by that point, I'd got to the stage that if I want to come back to that world, I would give it some time and come back. Um, and I think the most heartening thing for me was, um, you'd mentioned it earlier in uh, in either the write-up or, or when in the introduction, that I was lucky through the scheme and through the net networks that I made there that I had senior management training um, and mentoring, coaching as well. Um, also with board members, sometimes without me actually knowing that's what was happening, um, because they don't come and tell you, I'm going to mentor you, you know, you often find out this is, this is what's happening. Um, so when I was leaving, um, I had been, you know, told, well, offered the chance to get a sabbatical instead, or have a sabbatical instead. 
um, and come back because they had thought that I would have gone further ahead with the company up to board level at some point. Um, and I had to say, this was, you and I have talked about this earlier, that this was the kind of news that I think that if, if I was mentoring somebody now, or with hindsight, when I think about people who I have mentored or coached, that that's the kind of, I think, encouragement that would be welcome much earlier in people's lives. So it shapes their thoughts and it shapes them when they're struggling to hold yes. on to things. And I think that I was at that point where I was struggling to hold on to some level of balance and, and right. healthy reality, which is the reason I made the decision to actually leave. And then I, I um, did the writing and the traveling and uh, trained up as, as a coach and all the different modalities that I learned and uh, did my psychology prior to that, my master's in novel writing and then my um, psychology postgraduate diploma and focused my research project on stress management. And so it's kind of gone through that arc. But during all of that, there's a lot of struggles as well. You know, within the company, of course, I'd have had struggles. I was one of the youngest ones there on, on big projects. Mm. I was a woman. Um, some people now say more from the banking side rather than my own company, but, uh, you know, didn't really make, find it easy to work um, with somebody who was younger, who was a woman, who they didn't see as a fit, I guess. It's not, yeah. how, I, it's not how I saw it then. How mm. I saw it then was that they, they just see me as a newcomer. They don't mm. know what I know. But, you know, I knew more than them about what I was working on, not more than them, uh, you know, at large. So it's a matter of having to prove yourself. So yes. those struggles exist and you've got to be constantly putting yourself in those situations um, and I found myself, especially for troubleshooting, especially when we're flying around, so you're jet lagged and you're still, obviously everybody has to do it if you're traveling and, and you're still having to cope with your delivering your work, but also extra trying to prove that you are, that there's a reason that you are there, you're the person, the right person to be there. Um, but I'm sure in the struggles I've also spoken about the fact that um, you know, you have your personal struggles, you have your personal belief struggles as well. And I think that everybody does. There's a level of imposter syndrome. I, I worked with something recently on, uh, with EFT was, you know, somebody, I, I did some um, papping with WFTV recently. And one of the things that I think in most businesses, what most companies, well, probably most lives, imposter syndrome is actually very, very common. Yeah. Um, so struggling with that, you know, does mean you've got to get a level of self-belief from within yourself you've got to stop looking outside and what others think and mm. just be in touch with yourself and what you can do and what you believe in what you need to develop that self-belief and there's a great uh, uh you know reminder of that that one of the artists that i i shared on our distressable group uh summer he, his main criteria for being successful in what you want to do in your passion is having self-belief and mm. not having that external um, influence take over. Yeah. Um, but I've spoken as well around, you know, the, the highs and lows of life. You know, so a lot of what I've talked about are some of the good things, but the, the lows include, you know, when we lose, um, we lose family, you know, to illness um, and worse, you know, I've lost both my parents. And around those times, uh, the, you've got to manage your own emotions. You've got to, especially if it's unexpected. Mm. And you know, we both know that sometimes that can be one of the harder things to uh, to deal with emotionally, but also there's the practicalities of it. 
There is the management of things afterwards and the toll it takes. It's a, it's a huge, I, I felt probably burnt out a few times through all of that period I've been talking about from, you know, from work to, um, you know, personally taking on board this ex different role I'd taken on from a corporate role and trying to justify to myself whether I'd made the right decision or not. And then finding something that worked in the way that I wanted it to, then you find, you know, there's another dip and you've got to work with, um, you know, huge, um, dif difficult and emotional um, kind of um, lows as well. And actually I used a lot of my techniques then as well, which was the most helpful to me, hopeful time to know how useful they can be yes. in the moment. So actually, yeah, that probably is a good time to maybe yeah, touch into your daily habits and routines that support you. So um, what do you do on a regular basis which keeps you topped up and um, what are some of these techniques? Yeah. Um, so at the moment I'm doing walking. Uh, that's my one of my regular habits that I do do. Uh, but I'm, I've started more this 310,000 step march for, for, for March um, for a fundraiser. But walking is probably one of the things that I try to incorporate a lot into my life and um, knowing the benefits of it. Uh, I do EFT quite regularly. I do, so I've done Vipassana, the 10 day meditation. And, and whilst I might not be able to do that on a regular basis, I'm um, sorry, on a long basis every day. So it's not an hour every day. I do do it um, short, sharp ones. And that is very like another technical trance, which is like speed meditation, but it does put you, put you inside your body and your thoughts together. So the mind body um, connection is always there to get to balance. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's excellent. Thank you. Um, the other one you had mentioned to me was free writing was uh, another practice you do. Oh, yeah. Yes, I do do free writing, and that's really very good. In fact, I've restarted what uh, the Julia Cameron with the artist way um, calls uh, morning pages. So they do, it is free writing, but it's in the morning. So before you start your day. And the reason she explains it's, it, it's important to do it in the morning is so that if you've got anything that's cropped up in the night, just get it all out and then yeah. you start your day. You, you, you're over that hurdle. Um, sorry, go. Yeah, I, I think um, Nick Williams, our very first. Um, series very first episode also mentioned um, Julia Cameron uh, uh, artist way and he also mentioned he does you know free writing first thing in the morning just you know stream of consciousness just uh, you know writing writing down three pages or whatever and then just gets rid of that those um, pages yeah um, it's so. like a meditation it's a bit like Vipassana except it's writing and I think that the writing part of it slows your thinking down sufficiently yeah. it does become meditative because you're observing the thoughts brilliant okay that's good um we the next question we have is what's one of your favorite quotes and um well i was telling you earlier wasn't i that i i hadn't uh, when we talked about it i hadn't had one because i don't think i have a favorite quote as such but i have different fav favorites of the day your favorites of the moment and i was sharing earlier that one of my favorites recently has been this and partly because of social media partly because of what we just talked about in terms of self-belief as well it's one my roomie and it says um it goes half of life is lost in charming others the other half is lost going through anxieties caused by others. Leave this play, you have played enough. And I love that quote. And, and, and I don't think other people can uh, cause anxiety 
apart from the perceptions that mm. we have. So if, if we accept their point of view or their perspective as being real, then it makes a difference versus, okay, that's their point of view and I have a different point of view. But yeah. that that's, goes hand in hand with self-belief. Yeah, no, really, I absolutely love, and, uh, you know, so many of his quotes really, you know, uh, hit home. And just as you're sharing one uh, that came, uh, that reminded me was one which I shared on um, the Facebook group uh, earlier this week. And it's something along the lines of, um, everyone will taste death, but very few will taste life. Mm. Which uh, I thought was very powerful. Um, yeah. Where you know everyone is uh, going to taste you know death, but those uh, uh, very few will taste life. And that, yeah, is a great one to reflect on. On you know what does it mean to taste life and that? Uh, which I think actually, yeah, this wasn't even planned. Uh, it's, it's a nice segue into what does life while I mean, and uh, to you, um, if you want to expand on what you shared about what life I is, and then we can talk about the book as well. Okay. Um, I'm just going to quickly go on the one that we did before just now, um, when I talked about, you know, um, how much life is lost in others versus us. I wanted to say that the, the relationship I'd made with that one on the group as well was about social media, because I think there's such a huge mental health impact. How many likes has people, have people got? How many not? What does it actually mean, et cetera? But it's so much wasted. Yes. Um, but yes. Um, life voila. Um, actually, the it's interesting the the, the title of this because um, you saw something in it probably that that was new to me. Um, so that was always interesting. Uh, that was also interesting to hear. Um, I think it's somebody who makes the most of what life can offer, and you know, it's. I think it's really it's a very, very generalized way of looking at things and a very um, possibly innocent way of looking at things or naive way of looking at things because sometimes life has got so little to offer some people, you know, and I, I, I'm not doubtful of the fact that it is very difficult for people to make the most of life. Circumstances are very difficult as well. Mm. But my view on that was about seeing every opportunity there is to engage with different parts of life um, when we were talking about it. In terms of the book, um, Life Follow was about uh, somebody who has lost, so it's a survivor story and it's an amalgamated survivor story because it's not about a particular person, but it is inspired by the survivors of the Babel gas disaster. Some who I met, some who I read about um, some who had seen interviews about, excuse me, um, and the amalgamated view of what they are almost, and again, this is an amalgamated perspective when I pre present it, what they are almost forced into doing because something, a tragedy has occurred. There is no easy way to come out of that. Some of them lost their lives and the survivors are left to deal with the, the loss of that, the trauma of that, the um, toll on their own health. And some, there's no, nobody out there who's got life. There's nobody, there's no um, person or entity who's going to give it to them. I mean, people do believe, obviously, if they believe in God, they may feel that that, that one-way process does happen. Um, but it's about whether there's a possibility of taking what there is 
and engaging with what there is now in in the present mm. to be able to to be able to um you know live the life that is left yeah yeah so some sense of acceptance in moving forward yes i mean i, I don't even know whether it's acceptance or somehow coming to to some terms, because you can't come to easy terms with a, a loss like that. And I'm not speaking for anybody else when I say this as well. It's my own perspective yeah. of what I think is helps me move forward. Is you know coming to terms and having some sort of uh, resolution with what I felt, and th that's a hard thing to do as well. That's a it's a big word. Resolution. You can't have resolution with everything at the same time either. Fantastic. Uh, so just. <laughs> As a reminder for everyone's context, so this is a book that um, Nina's written about the Bhopal a disaster which happened in uh, 1984 in uh, Bhopal, India. Uh, big explosion and uh, a lot of devastation caused uh, during that time and still ongoing, um, you know, to the environment and communities and people there. And that's been um, captured in this book. And it's the one which is um, been put forward as a finalist in um, this award that we were sharing at the beginning, correct? Yeah, yeah, the Screencraft Cinematic Book uh, Competition. So we'll see, you know, fingers crossed. Um, I think that um, just a quick background that you had mentioned that I share is that we, when we, uh, when the book was launched, um, the, there was a festival, Bollywood Fever Festival, who gave the platform for the launch. It was a fantastic um, platform for that. And there was a um, film that was launched at the time as well, similarly for the same, same, same um, subject, Bhopal, A Prayer for Rain. And then Bhopal Medical Appeal came and did all the, you know, handling for the fundraiser and all the signed copies raised a lot of money. You know, people were paying 30 odd pounds per book, to, but because it was going to the survivor's clinic. Um, so it was, it was, it was used for raising funds, but also for raising awareness. So people who didn't know about it during the um, talk there afterwards learned about it from the film. They learned about it, um, and also since then, readers have come back to me. I, a lot of them, especially younger ones who didn't know about it, or if they're not aware of you know what happened in India at the time, yeah. um, will be talking about it and encouraging other people to read as well. So if this does turn out to be something that can be taken forward into either um, you know a film or a TV series which raises awareness not only of that but yet it, it also of, uh, disasters and the trauma that disasters um, can wreck then you know that's a good thing to, yeah. to know that it happens in the world and people need our support. Fantastic talking of which then leads us on to what is um, an achievement that you are, are proud of and this one you know blew me away when you were sharing um, uh, uh, regarding the Nepal earthquake. Do you want to share that story? I'll share it very quickly because I'm conscious of time as well. I think yeah. I spoke so much in the, in the middle. Um, so, so the Nepal earthquake, when it happened, I had no real um, experience in anything other than wanting to help. So um, I had found out that there was an organization called Standby Task Force and that they were... Um, taking on people who could do some digital help, digital um, um, work to locate survivors. And I signed up for them. And the way that they were doing it was using, um, whether it was social media, people, for example, family members saying so-and-so is missing. Um, this is the kind of area that they were in. 
Um, either there would be tour companies who were giving their manifests of people who were missing or tour leaders who, and also identifying who might have had um, sat phones, satellite phones, um, all, all sorts of areas where there was a digital footprint of the survivors. Because that valley, the Langtang Valley, is so massive that after an earthquake, uh, and also depending on where the earthquake had actually impacted, trying to find you know the what would be the minuscule human forms in there was one of the hardest things. But also finding out from some of the stats that the first few hours and first few day or two are the most um, urgent to get people out before the other tremors come. And also because where they were, the cold, um, how much food they might have had or not, water. Hmm. Um, so all of those urgencies. So I actually started in first trying to help. There were 100 climbers, I think, um, British climbers possibly as well. But in, in any case, it was a tourist group, 100 climbers, and then run out of water. So that was the first aim of trying to locate exactly where they were. And, and I saw um, once they had been taken out, I wasn't involved too much in that other than trying to find where they were. Um, that this was possible. And so we started finding people around Twitter, around the social media. And I was saying, laughing with you earlier about how that was the first time I used Twitter so helpfully. We started finding just messages around. And it was literally, you know, in the same way as a valley is big, you know, social media and the digital world internet is so huge, where people are putting messages. You've got to find where they are. Um, what you could do is one, find messages that people have left around. Uh, where they are, whether they're a survivor or not, what landmarks they're near, where they, if they've got a satellite phone, where the uh, coordinates are for that. And if it's uh, something like Twitter, sometimes those can, the messages can have um, the GPS locations as well. Yeah. So having put those in, I came back a few hours later of a group that I had found and put it in and, and saw that they still hadn't been picked up and realized the reason they hadn't been was because Nepal is quite new to, as a developing country, quite new that, to this kind of um, emergency service management. And so there wasn't the link up between the pickups and the provision of information. And there has to be contractual issues on who used the information, et cetera. And in that period, what I'd also started seeing was that since the information was being gathered and just sitting there, was there somebody who was able to pick? And I don't know how we matched up, but somebody who was working with the Indian Army in their helicopters and who are very used to using their helicopters for search and rescue were looking for where the survivors might be. So linking up with him just meant that without having gone through the organizations, we were able to start um, organizing. He was coordinating, using our information, he was coordinating the rescues for, with the Indian Army helicopters. And so we, and somebody else who was then coordinating all the numbers of um, tourists who were left, the survivors who were still out there, we linked up and got huge numbers of people into this, um, uh, you know, the, the, the search rescue um, list. And I, I can't remember how many were done, but over the period of four or five, six days, which were the emergency amounts. And after that, we did, um, I came clean to the, the head of the um, organization that I was with, Standby Task Force. This is what we ended up doing. Um, I'm sure they had seen at that time as well, but they were busy with other Red Cross, et cetera, or, or other emergency yeah. as well. They were completely happy with the fact that we'd gone directly and linked mm -hmm. up directly because it had led to obviously lives being saved, hopefully, you know, more rescues being done, and, and also a method that they could just follow through without yeah. having to have any hurdles. Um, 
So yeah, so, big lesson to me about just just having the intention of the rescues meant you try the areas that actually work. Fantastic. So that was a case of where there wasn't a set process in, you know, you found a way you've had survivors on one side, you had people who wanted to rescue on the other and you helped marry the two together and uh, yeah, help marry the two together and also um, not wait for red tape or bureaucracy or um, official protocols and so forth to slow down the process. Yeah, and I have to say that I think that that came from also my previous work uh, places because that was very common. There's red tape everywhere, but it was very common to actually find what needed to get done and see the fastest way to get there and see what was necessary mm. to actually, you know, the, the, the approvals that were needed. And if they weren't needed, do it first and apologize later almost. I don't like <laughs> using that normally. Um, but having already had confidence that it works and in this sort of thing, obviously there's more of an urgency. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you for that. And that, yeah, amazing story and great result. So that leads us on to um, the last few questions. So what's one of your favourite books and why? Um, so A Fine Balance by Rohindran Mystery. Um, and I think that that was probably one of the first ones that really inspired me to write in the way that I did and, ha and, and the kind of lives that I started together for Life Wala because I think the exposure to a spectrum of life. Um, I'd been to India before, but I'd, I hadn't really understood India in the way that I had having, having been there and read that book. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, the exposure to people, and, and that's probably influenced me in doing a lot of other things in this country as well, because it's obviously I live in this country. So for me to do longer term volunteering or longer term work with a spectrum of people. So I've, um, I volunteered with Samaritans we've talked about, so, you know, as a listener and also as a, a trainer for uh, prisoners in uh, in a prison. And I've done outreach work, schools, hospitals, etc. Been a mentor and a trustee for them as well. But you know, also some co-mediation. -co but those kind of things I can do on a long-term basis, and and does help me understand the spectrum of life. Yeah. And people who you know the kind of things that people who have to you know, go through very, very different and, and difficult circumstances to each other. Hmm. No, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, what did you learn from your parents? Oh, gosh, um, <laughs> a lot. Um, but this is, again, something that I've shared recently that, in, in fact, again, Summer had um, written as well. It's about his own father. And I would say that I, that made me think a lot about my parents and that how sometimes we lose sight of... Um, how it, and, and this is something you're very good at, you know, seeing the little things in life and how they can contribute rather than the big, we get lost in the big ambitions and the big, you know, um, miracle sort of cures to our happiness. But actually, um, you know, working hard, uh, my mom and dad both worked very hard, but my mom also was somebody who always said, you know, try what's wrong in giving it a go. Um, and this is the sort of, you know, feel the fear and do it anyway type of person. She's a, she, I would say she lived that life and probably my dad as well. Um, but I, I think in general, yeah, the, the, the being honest and, uh, you know, to, to our own um, realities, to our own difficulties and sadnesses um, is, is hard to do because we don't want to bring ourselves down. But I think that the way they live their lives quite, I think quite simply as well, um, and were connected to people, especially my mum, very connected to people at a very deep level. Yeah. Um, 
it wasn't then about the the you know big fanfare it was about you could pick up the phone to her and you know that she'd have a laugh she'd make you laugh all of the good things the relationships in life that mattered yeah that's so much uh, those are so important the connections and relationships and it, it touches upon um you know the, the final kind of question who or what are your inspirers in again you had, had mentioned parents here um and um family who um, worked against adversity and successful friends who heads haven't been turned up. Do you want to just touch upon um, uh, that one? Which one was the last one? Sorry, I can't. Successful friends whose heads haven't been turned up. So I think people are still grounded and humble, having risen um, in some form of success. Yes, yes. And I think we all know people on probably both ends of the spectrum who are either incredibly successful and have lost to some extent that connection with um, their friends maybe, or other people or, and other people who are incredibly successful, but you know, the the smile and the friendliness and it's all, it's exactly the same as it was Mm. before the success. And I think that I've seen those two as really good as as in like those two types of um, connections and and management of success as lessons. Yeah, no, that's great. I'll share a quick story on this. Uh, I think I may have shared this with you when we were speaking before. And it's a story about Simon Sinek, um, the author of, you know, um, uh, uh, you know this, uh, The Golden Circle and to begin with Why, as well as a whole bunch of other books, Infinite, uh, The Infinite Game. He shared this story where and there was, a, uh, I think, a, a senior general um, who had um, gone to a conference and uh, was given a speech and... Um, <laughs> So he came up to the platform and had um, a plastic um, styrofoam cup in his hand um, with coffee in it and about to give his speech. And he basically put his script away and he said, you know, I was at this conference last year and at that time, you know, I was the, you know, the general um, of you know, XYZ or whatever. And uh, I'd been flown, you know, business class to, um, uh, to, the vent, uh, to the airport here, been picked up at the airport, driven to the hotel, welcomed at, you know, at the five-star hotel, um, you know, welcomed in, had, a, you know, a, a car that brought me here the next day and, you know, um, a, 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 a really nice, you know, porcelain cup for my coffee um, when I um, came to the conference last year and gave speech. Um, this year, you know, I had to book my own economy flight to um, the place here, get my own taxi to the hotel, check myself in, um, carry my own luggage to my room, and get my own taxi to um, the venue here, asked the person for, um, for a coffee. They pointed me to the coffee machine and I got the styrofoam cup. And, you know, what it reminds me and what the message here is, that porcelain cup was never for me. It was for the role I played. And so it's that aspect of remembering that who you are and the role you play are different. And often um, things are done for the role uh, that you hold at that point in time. So, yeah. yeah, no, it's it, a really excellent one. And um, I think that people who I, I, I experienced it because I left a company and also I had this conversation with one of the board members there who had left uh, uh, after me and we'd had this um, just like we actually went to a pub and just had some chips and we talked about exactly this. They were just talking about like people now as we were then without the roles and people who came into the pub would have seen us both differently then mm. than 
when we were at our roles because they were looking at something different. Yeah. Yes. And I think that's um, one of the things that um, often um, is a challenge these days where people are finding a disconnect between the role they play outside the work and the role they play you know, um, within work and um, having a, a disconnect whether in values or um, approaches and attitudes. And the ideal is where you are the same person in both of the environments and rises to whatever challenges there, but holding you know, that, that self-belief and holding the, your, you know, your, uh, your true self together. So, and that's the challenge we have of working there. And when we can be there, we can be, you know, um, happy. <laughs> so uh, that's great. So that, yeah, let's bring us to the last um, of those things. Is there anything um, that we haven't asked that you'd like to share at this point? Uh, no, we, we move on? No, because um, I, I, I tried to cover everything when I was talking and I was thinking, well, there can't be any more questions. And there's still more. Clearly, my memory isn't very good about the questions, but I was thinking we've got a short period of time. In fact, what I'd like to do is some tapping just yep. so people have some experience of it before they leave. But equally, I will also want to say that it's for the longer session so you can have a proper experience of it. I have those free open group um, sessions. Um, they generally tend to be weekly, but the next one is on Sunday uh, for International Women's Day. I've kept it on Sunday at six o'clock and the links will be available on my website and also on the De-Stress Me group, which Shailen will share. Yeah. So, um, so ninajoshiramsey.com is um, the website and de-stressableme Facebook um, group is the one to look up and find and join um, to be informed of um, the EFT tapping sessions as well as other um, stress-related activities and things um, going on. So those are the ones to look at. So yeah, let's um, uh, yeah let's do the tapping exercise, and then those who want to and are able to stay on, we can then continue um, with the Q and A and um, the other wrap-ups as, as well. So if we are able to do um, about a five-minute session, um, Nina, and intro into what um, tapping is, what the benefits are, and then um, lead us through that. Yeah. Okay, it's it's a tough call to have it, uh, the explanation as well, but I'll do my best. So um, tapping is um, based on the philosophy of um, meridians, or the principles of meridians rather, that acupuncture is also based on, and uh, we call we also have this notion of, um, you know, life force, the prana and the nadi and, you know, so it, it's in every culture because it's part of human beings. So the idea is, you know, we have our thoughts and beliefs and our, our mind and body is very much um, coordinated and stress is actually the way, easiest way to see that because something that we perceive as being um, an over demand on our resources starts off a stress process that, that that fear of not being able to meet that demand starts off a, a stress fight or flight process and that affects the rest of our body so we get the um you know sweaty palms we get the palpitating heart um all of the stuff that happened the butterflies in our stomach all of the things that happened and and, and i can explain all of those things and why they happen and where the evolutionary sources of those sorts of things happening but for the purposes of this we will just start doing some tapping on where those points are and I normally I would explain to you exactly where they are you just follow me just watch me on the video just follow me and if you mute if you all mute your 
um, mics as well, then you can easily say back the words that I'm saying without, um, you know, hearing other people or disturbing your um, balance when we're trying to do this. So there's something called the setup statement. Clearly we believe things and uh, we have perceptions of things, but our body isn't made of words. It's made of all the signals that, or, or, or you, the electrochemicals that are running around our body. So when we say the words, we are trying to connect to that experience of, the, of us inside, right? So this is a setup statement where your karate chop might be. Um, so just say after me, and if, um, like I said, if you can mute your uh, mics, even though, and we're just gonna do generically on stress, even though, um, I feel this stress, or I feel this at the moment. Um, I choose to release it and feel relaxed and happy. And I deeply and completely accept myself and allow for these words to translate into whatever feelings are needed. Even though this stress may exist or this situation may exist that I want to release, I'm open to it releasing in a safe and healthy way for me. Even though this situation exists and it may be stress or some other feeling that I want released, I choose to be open to the release and deeply and completely accept myself. And then just tap on the top of your crown, this stress or this feeling and then where your third eye might be, these feelings. And then where the start of your eyebrow is, these feelings that exist inside me. And end of your eyebrow, these feelings that I feel. And then underneath where you can feel your eye socket, these feel, you can do both sides as well where they're both points. These feelings that I have, and this experience in my body. And then under the nose, these feelings. In fact, you can do both the nose and the chin at the same time as well. These feelings that I have and letting go of them. And then just around the chest. And you can, while you're doing that, you can just, um, these feelings that I have, you can also pound some a little bit, not too much, but you know, like how gorillas might these feelings, there's a sore spot as well. So this triangle that we have here, if you go two inches down and two inches to the left and just feel around, there'll be a little sore feeling there. And that's where your toxins might um, build up if they're not released. And you just have to rub there as your um, sore spot to rub. You can do it regularly. Some people do it just before going to bed just to get some relaxation. And then here, this is one of the underneath so if you do your hugs like this and just tap there there this is vibrating the uh, meridian line so instead of acupuncture points where they're so precise with needles we're just vibrating right through the meridian lines using this tapping this feeling and then the here this feeling and letting that go and then the top of your thumbs and fingers so that with the sides of them right this feeling and letting it go. I'm just checking the time. This feeling that exists and can be shifted and it's okay for it to be shifted. And letting that go 
in a safe and balanced way. And then here where the web is, just where that meets, letting that go. And just taking a deep breath. And we're going to do one more round, but very fast and just add some joy and positivity, that sort of, that type of um, emotion and uh, uh, experience. Um, adding joy. And if for this round, if you smile, normally we do two of the other and two of this and do a bit more around the talking as well. Um, but we'll do a shortened version. Adding joy and laughter. And then your beginning of your eyebrow points, adding joy and smiles and laughter. And see if you can smile for all of this round. And then end of your eyebrows, adding joy and smile and laughter and magic. And then under the eyes, adding joy and laughter and smiles and magic and sparkles. And these two. Magic and sparkles with joy and laughter and happiness. And then just sprinkling here, adding joy and happiness and laughter and magic and sparkles. And underarms, adding joy and laughter and magic and sparkles. Is having happiness in my life, joy at this time, laughter, magic, and sparkles all around and all inside me. Okay, and just deep breath. So that is a very, very quick round. It's not usually that quick at all. And uh, we do a, a little bit of a run up and a little bit of a, a muscle relaxation and an energy clearing afterwards generally. But that should give you an idea about it. Fantastic, no, thank you. And yeah, uh, stuff I've been coming across recently has been talking a lot about um, many of the ailments we have or diseases and these kind of things manifest from blocked um, emotions or toxins, uh, you know, in the body and uh, helping to um, get those released and flowing is an important aspect. So great. I feel good. Thank you on that. Um, if, what uh, we will do is if, if uh, in the chat, if you want to just um, share um, how you found that, that would be great. And we will just take a few more minutes. Um, to share a few more things and then um, uh, have a, a couple of questions come through as well. So I'm sharing my, uh, so Nina, again, thank you so much uh, for joining and sharing uh, the journeys and the stories uh, today and uh, for um, taking us through uh, this brief intro into um, EFT technique um, or EFT practice. Um, I'd like to say you know, uh, thanks again to Balance Consultancy for um, sponsoring um, this series as well as you know the, this following series starting next week um, and as I mentioned uh, it's dedicated to women and uh, Anju auntie uh, my auntie is coming on next week and she shares about uh, uh, her journey from Kenya to here um, as I mentioned earlier um, 
choosing to get married after meeting um, uh, my uncle um, for one week, as well as the journey um, of setting up a new life, um, creating an environment for her children to thrive and keep some culture and learn um, and focus on education. And also, you know, the various experiences and leadership aspects that um, she's done, including um, setting up, um, being part of the founding members of um, a Hindu network, a women's Hindu network in Birmingham, and lots of other charity work as well. So very much in tune with International Women's Day, which is on uh, Monday the 8th. This one is on Wednesday. And all the rest of the speakers following one week after each other from there. Um, as I mentioned, um, if you're interested in a VIP pass, drop me an email. Uh, please do it before the end of Friday, and I'll sort you out um, over the weekend. So we're good to go uh, next week. And if you want to just drop in on individual sessions, you can book those from uh, the website. Um, the gratitude uh, course is open for registrations for future um, sessions and various ways you can get in touch with um, Happy Life Habits. But the key one I want to ask is using the scale of zero to 10, where are you right now? Take a checkpoint, see where you are. And I'm just going to bring up, um, I'll try and bring Oh, let's see if we've got, no, I don't, uh... no, I will not be able to bring up um, the poll that I had. Um, so, so it was a, yeah, a, a, a very quick um, question on the poll. If you could just in the chat um, put whether you're, happiness levels are the same or higher or less compared to the beginning of the session, that would be great. Um, uh, that would be great. And if also in the chat, um, you would like to ask any questions to uh, Nina or myself, if you could just um, drop your name in or press the space bar and ask a question. We have time for um, one or two questions and then we will need to um, bring a close to today's session. So, and if you have any feedback um, in terms of Inspiration Point uh, podcast series, please drop, uh, let me know and we can incorporate some of those, uh, uh, that feedback into um, future sessions. Does anyone have any questions they'd like to ask? Okay. Had I start, uh, RuPaul's got one saying, how do I start yep. tapping? Um, very quickly, so I um, years ago, almost 18 years ago, so maybe just over, um, I wanted to start swimming in open waters because my um, husband, now husband, um, was a diver and I wanted to try, but I had a fear of open uh, waters because I'd fallen to 14 falls in the bottom of 14 falls in Kenya and I'd started um, you know, ha having a fear of open waters since then. So I was looking for a way to work with that and nothing was working. And I came across EFT probably for a web search and I had to uh, post out for a um, video to be sent to me or a CD or something like that to be sent to me. I had to learn it on my own from the CD first and I gave it to go. And in fact, that's what they do encourage is once you've learned the points, do it on yourself regularly. 
Um, and then I once I did that, and it helped me actually get over the fear of water, such that I now probably am more, more keen to go in the water than Graham is sometimes. Um, once I saw early on what impact it had, and I do still tap in the water if I had, I did still tap in the water if I had any fears, um, or even now actually if I do have any. So you have that with you at your fingertips, literally. Um, I then became a practitioner and a trainer, but that's how I started tapping. Excellent, thank you. Okay, last chance if anyone has any more questions. Uh, yeah, so is the, the question is, um, it says my name is somebody that I know probably then. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> um, so you can surrogate tap for other people. Um, you learn as for yourself first, um, and in fact, develop your own skills and your ability to recognize how you're shifting things inside. And then as you'll start to develop that, you will be able to um, start tapping for other people. So you put an intention out that this is somebody who's asked me to tap for them. If you're a parent or you have pets, you can tap for them anyway. Um, just saying, I'm when I tap for me, I'm tapping for them as well. So the shifts are for both. Um, can I just say, somebody had asked about life while and I don't know what it was about um, uh, getting it. It's ob obviously from our website, there'll be a link, but it is available on Amazon and Waterstones and those places as well. Yeah. Um, what inspired me to write uh, about Bhopal? Sorry, very quickly. I know, Shailene, you'll probably have to close this off as well, but very quickly. We'll I make did, this last one. Yeah. I did an interview with Mark Tully, who was uh, the BBC correspondent in India, and I was actually at the time writing and researching and visiting uh, villages around a Sati village that had, um, had a, a, a Sati in around that thing about that and I, I was interviewing Mark Tully about that and he said in conversation when I asked him what was the hardest hitting story he'd covered in India he said it was a Bhopal story at the time so this was some some years ago but at the time and because of that and the contacts he put me in touch with as well I um you know was able to follow that up and it really hit me hard it was 84 the year I'd moved here as well so I think a lot of that really hit me hard as to what other people were going through around the world while I was in my little world you know with my own um, difficulties how different it can be and it something really touched a nerve so I spent hours months um hours a day but months on end at the British Library I visited Bhopal as well you know, talk to a lot of people, but various other things to get ready, mentally ready to write that book. Excellent. Great. Thank you. So with that, um, I say thank you all for joining us and um, staying on um, uh, throughout the session and for the extended part. Um, thank you, Nina, so much for um, sharing uh, your inspiring uh, journey and uh, the different insights and uh, experiences. Uh, definitely, you know, a, a life uh, having a, a variety of experiences of life uh, on that. And uh, look forward to um, all of you joining us again next week and the following six weeks for uh, Series 3, which will be the last series for a little while. So please do make sure you don't uh, miss out on that. Uh, thank you all. Um, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Shailen, and thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks.